and welcome one and all to another edition of the Shadow Initiative Paranormal TV. We are your hosts. I am Rick Hale, paranormal investigator, ghost hunter, author, and joining me as always is the Prince of Darkness himself, Stephen Thaddeus Lancaster III. Hey, Stephen. That is right. Prince of Darkness, Darkness, Decadence, all the D's, man. Hair metal. Hair metal. Yeah, that's right. I'm not afraid to admit that. I am I not afraid not. to admit that. I know you're not. So, hey, uh, you know, how's things been, man? We haven't talked in a, in a, in a bit. Uh, it's been fantastic. I mean, just working on a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. This show being the main one, of course. Uh, yes. A lot of work yeah. goes into it. So there's a lot of cool stuff going on out there, man, in uh, paranormal land. And that's what this show is about. And we are going to be covering a lot of that today on this episode. Episode two. Here at this place. Here at this place. So why don't you tell us, uh, why don't you tell our viewers at home what they're looking forward to? Well, I can tell you what I'm going to talk about. And then you can tell the listeners pretty much how you decided the entire show. So what I'm going to talk about is alternative possibilities for Rick's UFO capture. That's right, folks. Oh, yes. Yes. He is talking about a alleged UFO that that him and his son captured. There's no Uh, legend about it. Not too long. You hearing this? You hearing this? No legend about it. Not too long ago. And uh, I am going to be talking about and I know. Our fans, our viewers, our listeners are going to be super excited about this. The 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 folks out there who are Stranger Things fans, mm-hmm. and, and I am one of them. So am I. Ladies and gentlemen, here very soon, we may be experiencing our own upside down. That is correct. In reality, that's right, Rick, you're probably sitting there thinking... Like- shit floating around and where is this going but rick you're gonna have to stick around for the entire show to find out okay yeah i mean you know i can't help but if i get bored to death by you and then fall asleep so but uh gotta use my jokes you're always using my jokes we will we will do what we do okay so what do you got uh for us so okay i got (laughs) a really funny news story for um uh news of the weird um, this one is right up your alley, buddy, if you know what I mean. Um, it's it's completely unexpected. Uh, nobody in the world would have thought that this could possibly happen. And we have Royal Arsenal in Woolwich, England uh, for Ghost Watch. And Stephen already previewed our topic of the day. And we're going to be talking about, with Creature of the Week, we're going to be talking about a legendary cryptid that not many people know about unless you're either from the Midwest or from Wisconsin. And uh, it's called the Hodag. It's quite possibly one of the weirdest, um, if not stupidest cryptids <laughs> that you could possibly think of. So yeah, we're going to be taking a look at that as well. But, you know, I wanted to start off the show with this. So earlier this morning, I'm kind of an earlier, I'm kind of an early riser, Stephen. Yeah, same here. Usually, yeah, I'm usually a first person up in the house. So I'm scrolling through Facebook as I usually do. And I come across this meme in a group. And I don't remember the group's, the group's name. My dog just scared the hell out of me. Um, Cameo. So, yeah. 
Hi, Smalls. So it was a meme. It was a picture of a ghost on some stairs. And it was like, what would you say to a person that doesn't believe in ghosts? So among all the people who are like, well, I would say, well, why don't you believe in ghosts? Don't you know that they're real? You know, that kind of thing. I just write, I don't care if people don't believe in ghosts. I mean, it just, it really makes no difference to me whatsoever. And I wrote, I'm like, this is not a religion. Therefore, we're not required to tell people the good news of the gospel of Hans Holzer and the paranormal. So, you know, Stephen, it's, it's kind of something that I see a lot with people who are new to this. You know, they have a tendency to get really bent out of shape about that if somebody challenges their beliefs and ghosts. But what are your thoughts on it? Are you kind of like them, me, or somewhere in the middle? Like, do you care if somebody doesn't believe in ghosts? No, I, I mean, now I, I, I have the same attitude as you do. I don't give a fuck. I don't care what the fuck you think, what the fuck you right. do. As long as you're not hurting somebody or yourself, I really don't fucking care. Yeah. But, you know, I, I can't say that I've always been like that. You know, when I was younger, uh, ego came along with that youth. And when I first started putting my own material out there, as far as from mm-hmm. investigations, I would get very defensive. Right. Like, oh, this is fake. And, you know, all, all the, the troll comments we all love to hear and see all the time. You know, I used to get really defensive, like, you motherfuckers. No, it's not. I was there. You know, I filmed yeah. this, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then I thought about it and it's like, am I doing this for them? No, I'm not. And, and you know, aside from the paranormal, Rick, this this philosophy, this way of life um, mm-hmm. that you and I have, the. I don't care attitude um, that isn't to be taken. Like we don't care about things. It, it's oh, to no, be taken no. like what you think a, a, as your own individual. That's, that's up to you, man. That's mm-hmm. up to you. I don't care if you're gay. I, I, I don't care if you dress up like a woman. I, I don't care if you're against abortion for abortion. I don't care. I do not care. Don't, don't bring me into it. Right. I don't care. I I don't. You believe you do you. (laughs) That's what I tell people. You do you. And the same goes for the paranormal. You are in it for a multitude of reasons. You are either in it for your own personal quest. You're in it to prove people right or wrong. uh, Your own curiosity, you know, or or you're, you're proving either in it to debunk it or prove it. Right. You know, so like. I fall under the category of this is my own personal journey and and I share it with people who want to listen. You know, it's not up for debate. This isn't a democracy in the land of Lancaster. I'm going to share with you my personal beliefs, my personal uh, experiences, and you run with that and and believe what you want. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I remember back in the nineties, I had this like just drunken dude come up to me at a wedding. It was at a friend's wedding and he's like, <laughs> I heard you're one of those uh, Ghostbusters types. You know, ghosts don't exist, right? I just sort of looked at him and I was like, I didn't ask. Right, <laughs> right. your opinion on this subject. So, you know, why don't you go back over by your table over there with the other, you know, freaks, mutants and weirdos and uh, drink some more. So, but yeah, I, it, I kind of thought, you know, that you and I would both come down on the... Um, on that same kind of mindset or theory or or what have you. But 
with that being said, with talking about, you know, the existence of ghosts, let's, let's take this into the field of ufology. And my recent sighting, along with my son here in town, um, I actually reported this to MUFON. And um, uh, upon, I was told by uh, Tim Woolworth, you know, a friend of the show and the guy that I write for at Paranormal Study that I should report it to MUFON. So here's what happened. A couple of weeks ago, my son and I, we were driving to the local library here in town. And um, we're coming up on this. I, I can't really say what town we lived in. And I wish that I could show the video because my son did take a video, uh, but I can't because there's a water tower with our town's name. I can blur that out. Oh, you can? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, um, so anyway, we're driving and I look up and I see like this weird shape up in the sky kind of like a sphere you know more or less and it's just sitting there and it's rotating it's going around it's rotating like counterclockwise and it's giving off this really bright light and it's in the middle of the day it's like one o'clock in the afternoon and it was totally sunny out not a single cloud in the sky and um so i said to my son i'm like what is that and he's like, oh, that's just a plane. And then he's like, wait a second, that's not a plane. And I'm like, no, it isn't. So we actually watched this thing. And then it starts kind of moving back and forth a little bit while still rotating and giving off this bright flashing light. And um, so he, he whips his phone out and he's taking video of this thing. And um, we actually watch and, and in the video, you can see how it kind of stops what it's doing and then it moves off to the right and just poof, vanishes. And later in the video, like maybe a, a second or two after that happened, you see it again in the video in a different area of the sky. So we thought, you know, my wife brought up Mylar balloon. That happens. But whatever this was, wasn't reflecting light. It was giving off light. And it was big, like way bigger than a Mylar balloon. And um, it wasn't an airplane. We, we are in the um, air, uh, we are in the flight path of O'Hare. And there are several other um, smaller privately owned airports that are in the area. So we're really familiar with you know, airplanes, obviously. Um, it wasn't a helicopter because of the way it was moving. Um, I'm, I'm, of course, not willing to say that that was an alien spacecraft. That I'm not willing to say. But what I am willing to say is, is it was something I don't know what it was. And both my son and I, we will, we will you know, fight people on this and we'll tell them. This is what we saw. We saw this thing together. So, um, you know, I, I, shared the, I shared the video with, uh, with MUFON and I kept my son's name out of it. I just said I was with my son. I didn't give my son's name. And I shared it with uh, Tim Woolworth of Paranormal Study. And he's the one that said, you know, you should report this to MUFON after he was chatting with, um, with a friend of his who is the, like the director of MUFON in Michigan. And he was like, your friend needs to report this. So I have yet to hear back from MUFON. 
And um, so, I mean, I may not hear back from them. I don't know. But it was definitely, it was definitely a first time for me seeing something like that up in the sky that I could say, I don't know what that is. Like I could see a ghost and be like, I believe that to be a ghost. Right. On the sky that day, I don't know what that was. Yeah. And that's the thing. And I mean, it's, it's certainly an interesting video. Um, It demonstrates a lot of uh, points of conversation and Mm -hmm. You know, we've talked about this before when we've talked about ufology and UFO sightings and stuff is unidentified does not necessarily equate to alien, you know, extraterrestrial. That just means it's unidentified. You know, there's a plethora of of possibilities. It could have been a military craft we haven't seen yet. I mean, there's there's just so many things, but there's also... um, you know, natural phenomena that makes what you and your son uh, experience happen. And, sure. and, and your video reminded me of a video uh, from a few years back, maybe longer than that. And you may remember this video. It was of a blackbird, crow, raven, something like that. And it made it onto one of these paranormal TV shows. Mm-hmm. And uh, the bird is up in the tree and the guy is filming it. And it starts to fly away from the tree and then vanishes. Like it just appears to vanish in thin air. Okay. Yeah. Now this of course made it onto one of the paranormal shows. I'm not sure which one. Um, And I won't say it was later debunked, but there were other credible possibilities presented after the fact. Hey man, I'm open to anything like that because with anything else that, uh, you know, in paranormal land is, you know, we like to call it here at the shadow initiative. Um, I'm open. I'm, I'm open to hearing different, you know, theories on what something is um, trying to understand what it is that, that not only I had experienced, but my 11 year old son as well. Right. And, and that's one of the things I love about you, my bestie, but you know, there, there's, I was reading today just to, to, to re-educate myself on it. There's a phenomenon, Rick, um, <laughs> where it's it's alternating bands of hot and cold air. Okay? okay. They create different bands where superior and inferior mirages meet. And we've all mm-hmm. seen these kind of photos where it looks like a city is floating up in the sky and stuff like that. Yeah, that happened and, recently in China not too long ago. Right. And, and and this occurs when the sun heats up a layer of the atmosphere, but the layer of air below it is cool. So mm-hmm. what that does is that the, the, the atmospheres, they're different temperatures and it creates a gradient. And, okay. and what happens, it's almost like an illusion. To where you you see you know your your object going across and then all of a sudden it's gone and then bam it's here you know mm-hmm. it, it reappears over here um, this is a natural phenomena where it's kind of like bending light okay you know where where the sun it, it, it's the light from the sun it's the different uh, variations in temperatures in the atmosphere it's all these chemicals that make this object appear to disappear. It's not actually disappearing. It's just, you can't see it now because of the illusion. Okay. And then it pops up over here. 
So this this is a common thing. And I'm not I'm not discrediting your video. I'm just saying that is a possibility. And that's what makes um, videos like yours so difficult. It, it really does, because, you know, extraterrestrial in general, UFOs in general is pretty much all we have to go on is video or a personal uh, a personal encounter from a person their story you know there's nothing ever physical that can be examined and that's what makes these video because we'll never know we'll never know like what you and your son shot could very well have been extraterrestrial it could have been an extraterrestrial craft it could have well, been an illusion yeah, you know, I mean, it, but we we will never know. And that's what makes that part of the science so difficult. Yeah. I mean, it looked like a solid object. You know, I mean, it looked mm -hmm. like something that was nuts and bolts. But I just wanted to say it's like if you can blur that out in the video. I, I absolutely if you can blur out any mention of what town we live in or anything like that. Um, because I think there's a restaurant in the video too that people would be able to, you know, would be able to um, connect with the town that I live in because it's a local thing. If you could blur all of that out, I give you permission to put the video here on the show because I really want to know what our viewers think as well. Yeah, I mean, blurring it out isn't a problem. I'm actually, uh, probably with this episode, I'm going to start blurring you out. So it, I'll, 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 I will already be using that software. So why not? I can just do it do it like that too but i completely understand man you know it's not it's not that you or myself are that fucking vain it's mm -hmm. the fact that some of these paranormal people are fucking nuts mm -hmm. you know and i've experienced that myself and that's a conversation for an entirely different show we don't want people to know where we live oh no you know <laughs> Definitely not. I don't need people like we've we've said before outside my house taking selfies, you know, in front of the Norman house. You know, ah, that's not happening. I've already got pizza guys scared to come here. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah, you know, and and it's true. It's like you, it, we do like to call our, we do like to say that we're we're very accessible, which we are, but there has to be that boundaries there, and you know, yeah. Obviously. So that's why it's like I tell people I live in Chicago. I don't live in Chicago. I live about 40 miles north of Chicago. But um, yeah, but as far as this video is concerned, it, it's like I it was really great because I was able to experience something like this with my son because mm -hmm. he knows what his old man does and he knows his interests and he, you know, wa watches the show, you know, or listens to it every once in a while. He's even read my books. So it's like he knows what his old man does. So it's like seeing something like this with him really meant a lot to me. Yeah, I I, hey, I can relate to that, you know, way, way back, what, 10 years ago when I started taking my daughter out on investigations, you know, doing the whole kid paranormal thing um, mm -hmm. that that meant the world, man, to have her experience these things right alongside me, man. That that, that was awesome. But but with that being said, Rick, let's yes, move this along. show along, because as always, you cram a bunch of boring shit in there. So let's just go ahead and get it out of the way. Let's. <laughs> hey, well, you know what? Um, 
let's do the news of the weird man because you know like like i said on last week's show here at the shadow initiative we don't want to just offer you paranormal news because that's a little bit hard to come by right so we want to give you weird news and it's new stories that well you know they don't get the fair shake that they should get in the paranormal i'm sorry in the mainstream media here's one of them <laughs> So, Indiana, I know it's, you know, most of this weirdness happens in Indiana. Indiana anglers, fishermen, find adult toy in a catfish's stomach. So, June 10th, so this is fairly recent. An Indiana man who noticed some unusual lumps in a catfish reeled in by his friend said that he was cleaning the catch at home when he discovered the contents of its stomach included a phallic adult toy so basically <laughs> this cat's got a dildo in it <laughs> yes ladies and gentlemen we are so mature here at the shadow Initiative. like like you said last episode it's kind of like the third grade just not as mature <laughs> so richard keysar said he and his friend john hoop went fishing on his boat in the Lawrence in the Lawrenceburg area when Hoop reeled in his first ever blue catfish. Now, if you never now if you're not familiar with the blue catfish, blue catfishes get big. Mm -hmm. So it's really, you know, of no surprise that a you know a dildo is able to fit into one of these catfishes. Um, we noticed when we got in the boat that its stomach was huge, Kesar told WTTV TV. Kesar said he initially thought the fish may have had swallowed some eggs or a smaller creature, which happens. But he later pushed on the catfish's belly and felt two hard objects that didn't feel like normal fish food. Kesar said he and Hoop took the fish back to his house for cleaning, because, you know, that's what you do. We decided to cut it open, and we found the foam ball part of a fish and the other object, he said. The other object was a phallic sex toy. Now, why can't they just say, we found a dildo in this? Right, place? right. That's exactly what it is. So Kisar said, he posted photos of the fish's unusual face on Facebook, or I'm sorry, unusual snack on Facebook. I have no idea how or why it ended up in the river. Kisar said his three-year-old daughter, oh my God, was helping clean the fish, and he and his wife had to quickly avert her gaze. <laughs> oh, this gets better. When it came out, John, my wife, and I started laughing. My wife immediately covered my daughter's eyes and turned her face away from it. So I don't know what's going on in the Lawrenceburg area, especially in rivers and lakes. I mean, maybe there's like some kind of secret sex club among in the brandy deep or whatever but this is like the probably one of the most amazing true weird stories i've ever heard could you imagine that it's like you're fishing one day you bring up this huge catfish and you're like i'm gonna clean this motherfucker up and this is what we're having for dinner and lo and behold what is in its stomach steven a dildo yeah and it's fantastic because first off there are a couple takeaways here rick Okay. You know, I, let's say I'm out fishing and I find something like that. Mm -hmm. My first instinct is not going to be contact the local news. 
because now he is forever the dildo fishy guy. You know what right. I'm saying? He has exactly. immortalized himself as the dildo fisherman. That that this is what has happened. And then then it makes me wonder, like, what have they done with said dildo? Did they throw it away? Did they keep it? Is it now a conversation piece when people come over for a barbecue? See, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that they didn't cook this fish up. They they mounted the fish on the wall. They had it stuffed. More ways than one. (laughs) Yeah. And then they mounted the dildo right underneath. I would have. I would have, too. As a matter of fact, I would have taken out one of my little forensics kits. I would have taken samples off of that dildo and sent it off for DNA testing. I would have tracked down. (laughs) I would have. See, I would have taken this a step further to make it a better story. Because let me tell you something. I've got one similar to this. (laughs) That so shit like this really does happen. I was in Myrtle Myrtle Beach and I walked into a hotel lobby. Okay. Okay. And I see an army of Karens coming out of an elevator okay we all know what the karens are they right had, like they had the hair flip with the yes hair. okay and Turn i'm like well you know what by the looks of this little army here i'm gonna let them go ahead of me and one of them is carrying a brown lunch bag out away from her as she is marching leading her people to <laughs> the counter okay the promised land right she gets to the counter and i'm standing there like man this is gonna be great right <laughs> And she's like, I would like to speak to a manager and the poor little hostess or whatever you call them uh, says, uh, yeah, hold on. So the manager comes out and she goes, do you know what this is? Do you know what this is? And he, of course, being apparently related to me in some way, goes, no, because you haven't showed me what's inside the bag. Aren't you guys all related in one way or another? <laughs> right. You know, so I'm thinking, OK, she has found a dead mouse, you know, something. Right. Yeah. Well, she takes it in the most epic way and turns the bag over. So the contents drop onto the counter in public, in front of everybody in this lobby. And when it hits the counter, it bounces off the counter and hits the the tile floor. And I look at it and immediately thought it was a mouse. Mm -hmm. And then it started moving across the floor. (laughs) And then my eyes focused on it and realized it was a vibrating dildo. Yes. Yes. So hold it. You you thought it was a mouse like moving. You didn't hear like the vibrating noise. Well, this all happened at once, man. You know what I'm saying? It's like all these thoughts coming in and and she proceeds to tell them that she pulled down the sheets of the bed and it was laying in the center of the bed. So it makes you wonder, you know, how people lose such such things <laughs> like in a fish's mouth, like in a fish's mouth. Yeah. You know, and what really bothered me the most was I was about to stay at this hotel and I'm thinking, what, what kind of uh, housekeeping is going on here to where the housekeepers can make the entire bed and not see a nine inch black dildo? in the center of the bed as they are making the bed. Wait a second. How did you know it was nine inches? Oh, you could just tell. I mean, I, comp- I compared it. I compared I it. I bet you could. I compared it to, you know, what I, I have seen many, many, many times. You know, I'm just going to put that out there for the ladies. You're not helping yourself, Stephen. <laughs> it's not black. <laughs> 
you know, but... it, it, it reminds me of one time we were up in, um, up in the Wisconsin Dells. And um, I, don't, I don't know if you've ever been to Wisconsin Dells, but kind of like what my brother one time said, he's like, Wisconsin Dells is one of those towns where you either go to rebuild society after an alien invasion, a zombie attack, or, you know, a comet hits the earth. It's, it, that, that's just how the Wisconsin Dells is. But I remember we were driving on the lot along, along the road, along like the main drag of the road. And on the side of the road is this big blue vibrator. Like somebody must have just tossed this thing out the window. It was remarkable. So yeah, so you, you, you never know where, as um, checks notes, a phallic sex toy may show up. Correct. So what do we got next, Rick? We got we got a 10 minute segment here. Okay, cool. Uh, Here's what we are going to do next. Let's do Ghost Watch again. We're going to be in the United Kingdom because that's where all the really awesome haunted places are. So for nearly three centuries, the most dangerous place in London was on the south bank of the River Thames. It was there in Woolwich. The government had a facility that manufactured and tested ordnance used in combat. It wasn't at all uncommon to hear great explosions of extraordinary magnitude at all hours of the day. I'm Rick Kale, and this is Ghostwatch. The explosions that once rocked London went silent in the 1960s. But according to visitors, the things that used to go boom in the night has been replaced by things that go bump in the night. Long before the first ordinance was ignited, a Tudor mansion called Tower Place occupied the land in the 1540s. The mansion was the home of Martin Bowes, a wealthy merchant, goldsmith, and Lord Mayor of London. Later, in 1651, the owners of the mansion granted the Board of Ordnance permission to test its guns on the land. In 1667, the building was enlarged in response to the raid on Medway, a naval skirmish where the Dutch successfully attacked English battleships in Chatham Dockyard. To ensure such an act never happened again, Prince Rupert's battery was built on the grounds. Never again would the English Navy suffer such defeat. Further expansion of the complex came in 1805 by the order of George III. The expansion was in response to the aggression of Napoleon. Along with more guns came a carriage factory, and the complex became a center for mechanical engineering. Some of the finest minds of the day came to work at the Royal Arsenal. As the 20th century began, the arsenal was enlarged once again, and when World War I broke out, the Arsenal employed over 80,000 people, making it the largest employer in all of England. In 1940, the Arsenal saw extensive damage when the German bombs attacked England in the Blitz. Several workers were killed, and a number of buildings were destroyed in the aerial assault. The once massive complex built for designing and testing weapons of war was closed in 1969. The Royal Arsenal is being redeveloped in the ambitious Thames Gateway Zone. Buildings, once used to make things go boom, are being converted into residential and commercial space. And if there is any truth to the stories told about the complex, it may very well be the most haunted place in all of England. 
If haunted locations are judged by its number of ghosts, the Royal Arsenal could easily claim victory in the competition. It has been estimated the Arsenal is home to over 50 ghosts. So many ghosts haunt this complex, it can be a daunting task in keeping track of all of them. Thankfully, researchers have done their best to tally up the spirits who died by accident, murder, and even suicide. Building 41 will be our first stop on our tour of the arsenal. According to eyewitnesses, two very active phantoms call this building home. The first ghost is an unusually aggressive one that throws chairs at whomever walks into the building. A small number of people have been injured by this spirit. The curious sound of a kettle drum playing has been heard, followed by a maniacal laughter sure to frighten even the bravest away. The second spirit that lives in the basement and is believed to be a prostitute was killed in its shadowy depths. According to a number of soldiers, the ghostly prostitute delights in stroking men's hair and whispering sexually charged things in their ears. Despite the attention of this lady of the night, soldiers actually fear encountering the ghost. In its heyday, Royal Arsenal Woolwich was arguably a dangerous place, hardly the place to bring one's children. Unfortunately, the laws of that day were somewhat lax on children in the workplace, and that's how a little boy named Piggy came to haunt the, person, the arsenal. Piggy, being the ever-curious lad, wandered away from his father and began playing with live ordnance. It didn't take long for the unthinkable to occur. The ordnance exploded, killing Piggy instantly. Piggy reportedly pulls the pigtails of little girls, hence his nickname, and runs away giggling. Sadly, accidents in the workplace is something to be expected, but in a place like an arsenal, it is downright destructive. During World War II, a factory manager took a knife and cut his own throat after watching his brother die while testing mortar shells. His angry ghost is known to slam doors and violently shove visitors to the floor. The old gatehouse is allegedly haunted by the ghost of a sergeant who hates foreigners. He has been known to stand behind non-English visitors and breathe down the back of their necks until they leave. An employee of the museum had a run-in with a ghost while locking up late one night. Just as he was about to set the alarm, a chair came flying out of the darkness, narrowly missing. The staff member thought that someone was playing a prank, but when he demanded his assailant show himself, no one came forward. It's widely believed the ghost is a young man who went mad after years of working with Mercury. He has never hurt anyone, but he does like seeking attention. This is just a small sampling of the many ghosts said to haunt the Royal Arsenal in Woolwich. Although the buildings are now residential and commercial space, the ghosts of the Arsenal are still very much active. I'm Rick Hale, and this was Ghostwatch. Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk is now available on iTunes, Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and many more. To contact the hosts, Visit www.shadowinitiativetv.com or email them at shadowinitiativetv at gmail.com. That's shadowinitiativetv at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Do you enjoy reading about the paranormal? 
check out the highly rated literary works from us, the hosts of Shadow Initiative TV. Paranormal investigator Rick Hale offers you the Geek's Guide to the Strange and Unusual, Poltergeist, Ghosts, and Demons. Bullets, Booze, and Babes, The Haunted History of Chicago and Illinois. And behold, shocking true tales of terror and some other spooky stuff. But if you're thirsty for more, I bring you true case files of a paranormal investigator and dark spirits, a man terrorized by the supernatural. But if you want to go even further, dive deep into the dark reality of haunted dolls. Check out my paranormal bestsellers, Norman, the doll that needed to be locked away, and Norman 2, the true story of a possessed doll's revenge. Available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever fine books are sold. We now return to Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk with your hosts, Rick Hale and Stephen Lancaster. All right, guys, you are tuned in to the Shadow Initiative Paranormal TV with Rick Hale, ghost hunter and author, and myself, Stephen Lancaster. Hello. Ghost hunter and author, and a whole preponderance of other things. So, a tissue of lies, ladies and gentlemen, a tissue of lies. You just heard a wickedly awesome ghost story from Rick Hale's Ghost Watch. But now, Rick, I'll, before we hit uh, Creature of the Week, I do yeah. want to talk about something fascinating that is going on scientifically in the scientific community and it's what i alluded to at the beginning of the show with is the upside down a reality could it be a reality could it be we know we've discussed alternate dimensions Mm -hmm. you know shadow people you know all these different things but science dude is about to flip our world upside down on July 5th. Okay. okay. Yes, sir. On July 5th. Now, Rick, have you ever heard of CERN? Who hasn't heard of CERN? I remember a few years ago when they first turned the damn thing on, people were all like, well, this is the end of the world as we go. Right. Okay. Well, you know, they're the ones who discovered what people refer to as the God particle or whatever you want to call it. The Higgs boson. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Fantastic. Rick, you're on the same page. Well, (laughs) these folks, you know, are are, are a group of like the greatest minds in the world. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's like 6,000 researchers, dude. Okay. They have created the world's biggest atom smasher. Okay. The the large hadron collider, the LHC. Okay. Mm -hmm. At the European Particle Physics Laboratory. Okay. They, of course, discovered the God particle, what, what not, maybe a decade ago or so. Well, this large Hadron Collider mm-hmm. is the world's largest and highest energy particle collider. Okay. We, we are getting into Egon Spangler territory here, my man. Okay. okay. They are about to break a new energy world record. Of 13.6 trillion electron volts in its first stable beam collision, my man. Okay. Could possibly go wrong. Right. And they're doing this live. 
you can stream it from their website. Okay. okay CERN.com. You can stream it, stream it on July 5th when they collide these two beams. Yeah, that there could be some things going on, man. And I, I'm I'm excited because I'm gonna be watching this stream. I mean, we are doing this is historical, Rick. Yeah, this is historical. We are breaking scientific ground for the first time in human history. What could happen? Um, I'm hoping that you could say, I'd be hoping you could tell me. I, I know that I've actually read some things where not only are they doing this, but they're also trying to find ways of opening up parallel universes. Yes. Yes. So somewhere there is another Steven and there's another Rick. Awesome. Yeah, I know. How could that possibly be any more awesome? I mean, you know, in, a, in another universe, one of us could be president of the United States and one of us could be a, a famous actor. But it's like there are literally a dozen or more movies, books, whatever, that say that this is might not be the best idea. I mean, th dude, this could literally like open up a tear in our universe because they're already saying it, it could create a black hole. Okay. A man-made black hole. And uh, we all know nothing good comes from that. But if it ripped some kind of tear, like this interdimensional tear, dude, how awesome is that? Like, as long as it didn't blow up the world or anything, this gives us a look into another dimension, another reality. This is exciting stuff, man. Yeah, I mean, of course, if it doesn't kill us. In the right, 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 you know. You know, yeah, I mean, if it doesn't kill us, then sure. Hey, I'm, I am I would like to meet alternate universe Rick. I'm sure he's just as awesome as I am. Maybe more. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, hey, it. I'm not a physicist, so I'm not even going to pretend to say that I understand this. But it's like creating black holes, ripping a tear in our universe, possibly destroying the world. These, the, these are not necessarily, these three things are not necessarily good things. <laughs> so, I mean, but you know, what, what is your, what is your take? Do you think this is a good idea? I mean, yeah, sure. This is science and action. Science is looking into the unknown, but what is it that um, was said in Jurassic Park, you know, while you're going through the, you know, can we do it? Should we do it? I mean, is this right. something that they should do? I don't know. It's some, you know, scientific exploration is about trial, trial and error, you know, learning from your mistakes. Uh, you know, there's some things that, that, you know, ethics come into it. Uh, is it ethical to do this, that, or the other thing? Um, you know, when it comes to like gene splicing and, and, and cloning and, and that, that kind of thing. But I'm excited because, and you know, I, I've always been a firm believer that energy and magnetism are going to be the two things that figure the paranormal out. Okay. I have always said that. Always said that. I mean, that that's, I mean, Everything we use to document the paranormal, 
uses energy, uses magnetism. You know, any doc, any documented paranormal activity usually has some level of magnetism, some level of electromagnetic fields. You know, it's energy. You know, our bodies, bioelectrical, we have electricity in our bodies. Energy is infinite. So when we die, that electricity just goes out and about and through the world. You know, mm-hmm. could that be the 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 source of paranormal activity? So in the end, energy is going to solve these riddles of the dark, as I like to call them. Right. And well, that was pretty damn good. Riddles that of the awesome. dark. That's a book title waiting to happen. I was gonna say book title. So any anyways, so they're out there, they're gonna do this July 5th. We're gonna find out whether we're partying like it's 1999. Or we're loading up the ammo and sharpening our stakes. We, we, we will find out what happens on July 5th. So all I could say is, is allow me to quote two quotes from Douglas Adams, the author of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Universe. One, don't panic. And two, so long and thanks for all the fish. Right, right. <laughs> so with that being said, Rick, I think it's time to do the shadow initiative paranormal tv hoedown it's creature of the week my man what do you got i have got a animal (laughs) called the hodag now the hodag um i know that you know earlier in the show we were talking about dildos on the side of the street in wisconsin dells and you know wisconsin's kind of one of those places that you go to survive an alien attack but this creature it's really primarily kind of like a um, it's only in one area of Wisconsin. And there's this restaurant up in the Wisconsin Dells that we've eaten at. It's called uh, Merton Lucy's and Merton Lucy's. It's one of those places that if you're from a foreign country, you will be complaining about the kind of food that's there because it does come in very large portions. So, but there's this curious portrait on the wall. It's a painting. And it's of this creature, and it's kind of like a cross between uh, a pit bull, a bull, and a lizard. And it's green, it's got big fangs, it's got, you know, spikes on the back and along the tail. And like, very few people know what this thing is. And it is the hodag. So the hodag is a creature, um, it's not even found in local Native American folklore. It was something that came about in 1893 by a guy named Gene Shepard. Uh, Gene Shepard was a respected timber cruiser. Like he was one of those guys that would stand on logs and, you know, guide them as they would go down the river. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He stumbles upon a logging camp and begins the story of his life. He has an encounter with a vicious beast. And he calls it the Great Black Hodag. So spikes all the way down its entire length of a body with a fistful of needle-sharp pointed spears at the end of his tail. Fangs that would rival a saber-toothed tiger could rip out the belly of the biggest bear, says Jerry Shadell, former Rhinelander mayor, who portrayed Shepard in reenactments. Shepard led a group of lumbermen into the woods to capture this beast with dynamite because, you know, that's what you want to do with something that could be like a dinosaur-like creature is blow that shit up with dynamite. Oh, of course. And he returned with charred remains and a photograph of the reenacted kill was published widely. So 
I gave you a picture. So if you could throw mm -hmm. that picture up so people could see it, this is the most amazing thing that you will ever see. Now, here's the thing about Shepard. This was at a time when um, news was, they really didn't have a lot to print. So they engaged what was called yellow journalism. And yellow journalism is basically making shit up to sell newspapers. So kind of like they do today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Shepard was a prankster and a spendthrift. I, I don't know what that is. In one side business, he sold perfumed moss through the mail. When he had a creditor knock on his door, he'd stuff a bar of soap in his mouth and he'd lather it up. And then he'd turn around and he'd kind of snarl at people. Like this guy was pleasant, right? I mean, he was just delightful. And they would just run because they didn't know he was rabid or not. He found the hodag. He captured the hodag. He kept the hodag in a barn. So this is like a big part of Rhinelander, Wisconsin, which is way the fuck up north in Wisconsin. And it is such a part of the folklore of the area. They have actually named their uh, high school sports teams after it. They are the Rhinelander Hodags. And, you know, as you can see with this picture, I mean, th this looks like something that could be real. But when you're looking at something like the Hodag, yeah, it sounds like a great cryptid. It sounds like something that is like truly terrifying. But um, it, it's something that it's not like it's Bigfoot or the Lake Champlain monster, where it's actually found in Native American folklore. Like this is something that was allegedly found by this guy named Gene Shepard, who was a known prankster and spendthrift. Like I said, whatever the hell that is. So we have this picture and I just want everybody to look at it so they can see, but this is the kind of stuff that we're dealing with beyond the iron cheese curtain <laughs> from here in Illinois. I mean, it's a great creature. And um, that's why I wanted to bring it up for creature of the week because it's not one that people really know about. Steven, what are your thoughts on this picture, Mr. Gene Shepard and the Hodag? Well, you know, my thoughts uh, are exactly like yours. Uh, you know, we we try to, you know, creature of the week, we try to bring you the things that aren't household names. You know, we've talked about this before where God knows I'm sick of hearing about the same Amityville and the conjuring house and all this crap. There are so many places and stories and creatures out there, you know, like the Boojum, you know, when we've talked about the Boojum, nobody heard of the Boojum until we talked about it, you Never know? It. And now, now, you know, the thing is I can relate to this story, Rick I mean, not not so much now, but I when I was younger, I had a lot of experiences with hoe bags. I mean, it was mostly through high school and college. Ho bags. Yeah, isn't that what it's called? Hoe bag. Hodag. Hodag. Okay, okay, that's the ancestor of the hoe bag. I got you. I got you. Gotcha. Yeah. Same same gene genealogy there, or, or whatever they say. Not even close, buddy. But go ahead. But you know, it goes back to those things where. I, I've I've said we can measure everything on the intelligence of man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, this was created back when the intelligence of man really wasn't all that intelligent. Mm -hmm. You know, these things that are misconstrued or these things that were just blatantly made up, you know, but it's yeah. interesting nonetheless. 
but here's here's the thing when I get before I get to a little bit more with the hodag. I mean, we see that even today. People mm-hmm. are willing to sort of close their brain down and believe whatever bullshit comes along their way. Mm-hmm. So it's like, are we really that far removed from those, you know, much more tender times? I, I sometimes I gotta question that. But here's the thing about the hodag. Now, the hodag is is like I said, it's a legendary creature in this northern region of Wisconsin. And it's kind of like um, they're gremlin. You know, you always hear like, you know, stories from World War II about, you know, gremlins ripping apart planes. And, you, right. know, there's, you know, there's a, there's a Warner Brothers cartoon based on it. So, you know, it must be true. Um, but this creature is kind of like Wisconsin's um, gremlin. Whenever, whenever things would go wrong in these lumber towns or in these, um, you know, wherever they were dealing with lumber, uh, things would break down, machines would go kaput. They would always say, well, it must be the hodag. So it's, it is something that really, really figures in the legends of, of the Midwest as well as Wisconsin. Yeah. It's interesting stuff, man. You know, it, it's historical to, and it's fun to dig back through, through these old documents and, and stories. And um, you, you see, like you said, it's not so different today. You know, it, it's kind of like this stuff, the paranormal in general has always been a part of humanity. Oh, going back to the very beginning of time itself. Yeah. So it's interesting stuff. But Rick, this has been a great show. Yes, we talked has. about the hoe bags. We talked Ho-dag. about hoe dags. Yeah. We talked about uh, the upside down coming to our world very soon. So stick around for that. Uh, we talked about uh, your UFO sighting with your son. And we That's talked about. Which, yeah, which is cool, man. I mean, I, I love that kind of shit. Like when you posted it, I was like, yeah, this is awesome. Now, how can I tear it apart and piss Rick off? <laughs> this would be great. Hey, I'm one of those people that it's like, if you can offer me something that is an al- alternative to it, then I'm going to be like, yeah, because I am absolutely not afraid to say I don't know and admit when I'm wrong. Yeah. Did we talk about anything else? <laughs> uh, Royal Arsenal. And Woolwich. Yes. Yeah. You know, looking back on that, it's like I get it that it was the 1940s, but who the hell brings their child to an ordnance factory? Right. Begging for trouble. Right, man. And and that's something you even see and hear about today. Oh yeah. (laughs) People taking kids to the strangest of places and putting them in the weirdest scenarios. I mean, why would you do that? If I was this person's neighbor, I'd be like, call DCFS, Children Family Services, whatever, immediately. Right. (laughs) Don't bring your children to these dangerous places. Who cares if it's bring your daughter to work day? Don't bring them to ordinance factories. No, no. Don't bring them to a witch trial. I mean, we can, we'll, we'll put out a book, the do's and don'ts of the paranormal and your kids. Right. It'll be a bestseller instantly sounds good so guys thanks for hanging out with rick hale and myself stephen lancaster again for another phantasmical episode of shadow initiative paranormal tv you can find more of us at shadow initiative tv.com 
There's the podcast version. There's video version. There's evidence, all kinds of neat things. And of course, you can track us down on social media. Like Rick said earlier, we are very accessible dudes. We like talking to people. We like hearing your opinions on the stuff that we talk about on the show. Oh, yeah. And, you know, again, too, I also want to bring up this. Um, If you have a story to tell, you can send it to us, you know, two, three or four paragraph of, you know, anything that, you know, it's like an alien encounter, you know, seeing a ghost, being involved in a haunting, um, seeing a monster. And if you send it to us, we will read it here on the show. Um, We want to hear your stories because that's really what this is all about. This is all about stories and the human experience. So Stephen, where can they send those stories? It's real simple. You can contact us about anything at Shadow Initiative TV at gmail.com. Shadow Initiative TV at gmail.com. And like Rick said, if you've got a really cool story that maybe you just want to get our opinion on or you want us to share it with our audience, we can do that. Or maybe you're experiencing something in the paranormal and you just want two old guys' opinions on it. You know, we've been around the block. We can help you out the best we can. We can offer any kind of service. And I would really love to have a show that is just this, you know, Mm -hmm. experiences and encounters with the unknown. Oh, I like the sound of that. Yeah. Yeah. So if you have one of these stories, send it to us. We would love to read it and tell you what we think. They're smalls again. Yep. Not so small. But anyway, so guys, we are out for another week. Thank you for joining us here at the Shadow Initiative paranormal tv we will catch you next episode later